Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Endless Sales Podcast. A very different one, our first ever episode of Statstrap with Tony McLaughlin from Selfie Trends. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, doing well. Good man. Although you wore the shirt when we got pummeled at Paisley, like so don't know what the crack is of that. <laughs> I do like it. I have to admit, I do like it. But apologies for the, the kind of early start here. We usually start at 8 o'clock, but this man, while he's a stat machine, he also has football to play. He's one of the fives, but we'll get cracked in. Tony, and we'll start briefly, obviously, with last season. Now, this is a new kind of venture for us as a channel. You yourself, delighted to have you on board. We appreciate you coming on and obviously we're all learning during this process of what expected goals, all these different stats and things. But we'll start with last season briefly and we'll move into more current situations. And Pasta Cogley, for me, We've, we've covered it so much in the podcast, come in under a spotlight, under pressure shit away. The start he didn't have was that great. I think he lost three out of the six first games. Hearts, for example, beat us. And just a bit of a shaky start. But when he first came in, Tony, in terms of what you've seen, in terms of progression from the team, did you notice from straight off there's a difference to this team in terms of what we're trying to do, like an identity? Yeah, I think that was that was the thing with Philippe from the start. You you knew um, he had a plan, you know what I mean, right away from, from the start, it was inverted fullbacks because everybody talked about inverted fullbacks at the start and it was like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and then you just started seeing like, the, the early games at Dundee and St Murn at home and you've seen the XG that we were, we were, we were uh, producing and it was off, off, the, off the charts and we were scoring goals as well. But then we had the, the three tough away games, Hearts, Rangers yeah. and Liverpool. Um, but then never look back. But you could see it was always, it was it was always going to be a long journey. And um, but you could see there was a, there was a plan. That was a good thing. There was a plan. I didn't think we were in the league last year. Do you know what I mean? At the start, you just thought um, it, it's going to be too much of an ask. Too many new players. And as much as he's got a good reputation and and good experience, it was all new to him. Scottish football was new to him. Yeah. Europe was new to him. So. It was always got, going to be a, a tough ask, and and even the the biggest Ange supporters always said that um, season two was when when you see the best of Ange. So um, I always thought last year was, was was going to be a challenge. So he deliver what he did last year was was amazing. I I mean like in terms of when he came in, obviously the only time I've really seen him for the fullbacks was Bayern Munich when Pep Guardiola done it with Philip Lamb and the likes of them were class players, and obviously he's brought that system. To Manchester City and Postecoglou himself has said that perhaps a big not well not mentor because he can't really use that term but he looks up to him in terms of the coaching capacity and what he like brings. He's seen the connection when he managed over in Japan with the City Group and that. But just to like dive in the early part of the season in terms of an XG and I'm going to give a brief overview because me myself expected goals, expected assists. It's all new to me. So again, everyone on this channel is going to be learning with us as well. So that's fantastic. But just to go over it briefly, briefly. I mean, throughout the whole season. Uh, Tony at home had 84% of the wins and 68% just away. A, a bit of a drop-off there. Do you think the, the away form was much of a concern last season? Do, and people talk about tweaking tactics and tweaking all this and moving players to different positions, or do you just think it was one of them things that take a wee while to turn out? No, I think... Um, so, I mean, looking at last season, um, I mean, there was, there, was, there was... like So, you talk about XG and then there's, there's expected points. So, that came about last year as well. So, um, mm. Stephen Russell and the boys at Senate had, had come up with that, and that was quite good. And there was even, even there was a Rangers Twitter page, the Rangers report, um, and both the Rangers report and the expected points, they, they, they were saying, look, based on performances, Celtic are maybe six points behind or whatever, but actually, on performances, Celtic's in front here. So if this evens itself out throughout the season, 
um, a Celtic will come on top. Do you know what I mean? And um, you could just see it. Um, would, would the end of the season come too early for us? Just mm-hmm. the time um, Ange had building that team and getting through on sort of limited squad players. Um, but no, it came it came right in the end. You know what I mean? And I mean, you're talking about different things, so that's why I looked at sort of season to date versus sort of last year on sort of XG and XA basically, and, and your your expected points. Yeah, I mean, you said something quite interesting. That's you were explaining to me off earlier. There's a lot of people have different views and stats and what we had goals. You said these are this expected points tally. I did see them tables like we were streets ahead in terms of forming up. But how can you say that when we're from a, a losing position? That if it evens itself out, we're going to win the league. Because you look at it, and me myself personally, I look at points. I don't look at an expected points or be like, yeah, we're going to creep up that table. People say we're playing well. But how do you collate that into setting that sense? But like the, the trend of where that's going? Yeah, so I think, so from, exp- it's quite quite a, a new sort of science. And So if you look at the, the, the Stephen Russell one, then that, was, that wasn't necessarily a predictor. That was about past performance. So it was just saying, who underperforming where they should be, so i.e. maybe a bit of bad luck, whereas the Rangers probably mm-hmm. was a bit of a, a prediction one. So um, so if, if you look at it from a, an expected goals point of view, so that if, if Celtic score two goals in the game, the expected goals was one, right, it's maybe one more, but on a, it's, a, it's a very limited um, data set one game. So if you yeah. do that over the course of a season, it should, um, um, it should play through. So the problem with doing expected goals into overall performances, it's just the same as goal difference. So if you win six nothing and then one nothing, um, but somebody else wins three nothing, three nothing, who's who's more likely to win the games, etc. So expected points just looks at well the maximum you can get from a game is three points, irrespective of yeah. winning nothing. So it was looking at expected points from from a game, um, and I thought uh, like expected goals, expected points is as far from the perfect model, sorry, Stephen Russell, you know what I mean? But it, it's far from perfect. <laughs> but but it, it, it's, it's the best we have at the moment for measuring it, and it's better than just looking for um, points itself, because you, you're looking at the underlying performance and how and how teams have played in the past, then that gives you an idea going forward for the future. Yeah, I mean, to look at last season briefly in terms of, obviously, the stats, I've got a page up here in front of me, and I know you've done some research of your own. I mean, 2.42's Goal score over a course of the season each game, which is great. 0.58 conceded. Again, a, t- a tight defence. Now, bear in mind, hope this page I'm looking at is accurate, Tony, in case you rip me up the bits here. Like, but going across an overall season, I mean, the, the XG for us was 2.78 at home and 2.42 away. So scoring goals wasn't really the issue, was it, in terms of what we were doing attacking-wise? No, so, and, and, and also... Ange had this reputation of attacking football when being maybe risky at the back, but actually our conceded goals and our conceded chances was, was amazing. Do you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. That, that was, so, I mean, it's still a, still a stat just now that, that um, Carter Vickers and, and Joe Hart haven't conceded a goal in the last 15 minutes over the whole of last season and this season. Um, because the only goal we have conceded was at Tynecastle and they two weren't playing at the very first game. So, yeah. Um, just different class and can make sure not to concede chances. Um, and when I was looking at um, expected goals and, and expected goals against, look at non-penalty ones. So, yeah, yeah, there's always an argument, should you have them in, should you not? Um, but if you look at non-penalty goals, it takes a bit of that sort of luck or um, when there's a penalty, you can make 
I make up a big impact in a game and, and the likelihood of scoring from a penalty like 76%, 79% depends mm-hmm. on the, in the vendor. So um, so I looked at something like this this year versus last year. So last year we were averaging um, 2.56 non-penalty XG per game and this year it's 2.44. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just um, a little bit down in last year. But conceded it was 0.63 um, per game last year and it's 0.46 this year. So even better again for, for, for the conceding the chances. Um, and then expect, expected points, 2.43 um, per game last year, and it's 2.4 this year. Yeah, but, I mean, some of them are, are slightly down, but again, we're in the early part of the season. Yeah, it's a small small sample set. Um, and, and, and again, it's when you're looking at an individual basis game by game, it, it can vary so much, but it's, it's just looking at the trends. And when you, you look at over last year and then you're coming into this mm-hmm. year, um, the cons- the consistent picture is that um, we are generally a-, a good a good goal or two goals ahead of our-, our competitors in a game, which which really puts us in a comfortable p- position domestically. Um, yeah. and 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 it's because of both the, the attacking and the defence as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Just want to say, even to everyone who's watching, Frank Brandon. Old school here, Tony. Expect the points went right down to Swanee against Samaritan. <laughs> Again, it's it's horses for course, and it's the, it's the way the world's going in, in terms of that. And Egyptian King, apparently, Alan's already has his transfer targets for January. Alan, see how can that love the big man? And we'll kind of fast forward it last season to January, and there was a couple of additions. Obviously, Riho Atate, Matt O'Reilly, Dyson Mieta, all them likes of players come in the door, and um, Iriguchi as well. He hasn't made quite the impact that I thought he would at this point moment in time, but. Just to put, touch upon the January arrivals, I thought in terms of what we were seeing previously, the injuries and stuff, they really came in and they hit the ground. The likes of Maeda already, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And um, Maeda was um, a, it was it was a fan's favourite early doors, just right away because of the yeah. energy he brought. Um, that that at times now that's that, that can change. Fans can sort of find a, a scapegoat like they have with Aaron Moy or or, or Maeda. But um, Maeda, like a badder, sometimes they, they don't necessarily look great on the eye. Maeda maybe for his touch or Abada for his dribbling, but the two of them have great numbers when you look at the, the underlying stats. And like, Aye. Inter- Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, Maeda, obviously, he was a pressing machine and he had the, the highest sprints, I think, across the J-League in terms of what he was closing down. I think Kyogo broke the top 10 as well. But I do get what you're saying, Mieda. Like, if, if you look at now, till that season, me personally on our, our previous podcast or on Monday, uh, he, he's copped a bit of flack for his form. It kind of infuriates me that he doesn't take on his man because he's got the speed and he cuts back all the time looking for me a way out to get out of that situation. I know in terms of numbers and stuff, Fra- Francis, podcast member, said that he's still second to Jada in terms of goal <laughs> contributions. Well, if you look at if you can combine the the, the contributions as in expected goals um, or expected assists or actual ones as well, but if you looked at um, assists, just assists, purely assists, Maeda last year was not point three eight a game, and that was the top right. top. So not point three eight per ninety minutes, and that was the top in, in the whole the whole of the league. Maeda, so you wouldn't think Maeda is the biggest creativity player, but that was the top in the league. And this year he's at one point one two, which is top again. So, so he's top, increased. So so see he was top last year 
in his top this year as well. And you wouldn't think that's something to say. Who, who, who's top for assists per game? Um, see, see, this is the thing then. So what does he bring to the team? We see the pressing. Obviously, that's that that's under no question. And you, you made a great point in terms of, obviously, he's a bit uneasy on the ad times. He maybe doesn't. He, he lacks a bit. I don't know if it's confidence, but I don't, maybe maybe it's not his game taken on the man. But what do you think he does effectively well for the system that he plays in the, at the minute? I think just well, there's obviously that that pace as you talked about, but there's also just the positioning being the right position. So there's times when he's he's tapped the ball across to Kyogo, Kyogo's um, tapped it in, and actually that's helped their XG, it's helped their goals and their assists, etc. Um, but they make it look easy sometimes. Kyogo makes it look easy, and Maeda. For, for that, it's just because he's he's not necessarily dribbling past someone or having to sort of do a great cross. He's he's that mm-hmm. his pace and his positioning has got him into position. He just tap it across, so he's getting the numbers, but it sometimes makes it look e- easier than it is, and maybe doesn't get the credit for that. Yeah, I do. I have seen some people back him up in terms of that. And Frank Brennan comes in seriously. Can Tony say what our expected points expected goals for the month of October when we have nine games to play, five of them away from home? Three of the nine are the Champions League. Frank's an old school supporter, like he, he definitely yeah. the stat side of things. Go ahead. Tell, tell Frank, I'll tell him what the expected points are in October. I'll tell him in November when when we look. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, another January arrival was Matt O'Reilly, and I think we can all like unanimously agree that this guy's been a sensation. A bit of concern for me, Tony. Maybe not hit the ground running in terms of goals this season, but from what I've seen, he still are has. Assist? Yeah. Assist or... So, for, from, from assists point of view, last year he, he was quite low down in like 0.09 or something. I can't remember the exact detail, but it was quite low. Um, but his XA was up there, so he's expected assist. This is where you start talking about stats and, and, and the points. Yeah. So, his expected assist last year, um, he was 0.47 per game. So, he was the top in the league. But yet, his actual assists were low. So, that's saying we would expect to get assists, assists off him, but we didn't. So, is that yeah. stat just been rubbish or whatever? But actually, when you bring that forward to this year, he's got the most assists with five, and he's got 0.92 per game. So, what that expected told us last year was, actually, he should be getting more assists, and maybe that just team, teammates not understanding his passing, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and it's came through this year, and not only is he still first this year, he's, he's increased from 0.47 to 0.59 expected assists a game. So, He's 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 really kicked on, and he he's when you look at Sunday and O'Reilly's not on the team. Neither's Jota yeah. first, first and second for expected assists in the, in the league, and and they're out. So you wonder why the, the the creativity goes down. Yeah, I think that's a great point actually. And in terms of O'Reilly, <clears throat> I mean, do you think that there was obviously speculation with teams like Leicester and that interested in? This summer, and he quite he quite clearly said he wasn't really interested. Now he wasn't played for something in the Champions League, and one goal springs to mind that assist for Jada against Rangers. <clears throat> he just think the keeper was absolutely fantastic. But in terms of what he has to come this season, what what's the stats telling you, or the expected way? I think he's going to be right up there with contributions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, more so as assists rather than goals. You could probably get 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 some more contribution in the goal side if you're not in. But in top at point five nine. Um, assists um, per game. Yeah, he's actually delivering more than that. Actually, it was 0.92, but that could level itself out. But it says that he's still um, expected to give assists of 0.59 per game um, and a, a really key player. And one of the things I did look at was 
based on the, the, the talk about, I know we'll come on to some one game later, but based on the talk of partnerships and who's who's with who. So I, I did actually look at sort of his minutes alongside who's the other number eight he's played alongside. So um, 60% of the time he's played alongside Rio Hotate, 34% David Turnbull, 2% Kyogo, just I think when Kyogo and, and, and Gigi were playing up front of Ross County, yeah. 1% Aaron Moy, 4% Callum McGregor. So 60% um, of his partnership has come alongside um, Rio Hotate. And I think if you're looking at Riley's stats being up there, then that, that sort of says Rio Hotate must be doing something good to help him. And I'm a yeah. big Rio Hotate fan. Um, so maybe I'm I'm using these stats to tell my story, but you know, as stats can always be. But what I did think was interesting when I dug underneath that, so expected assists for O'Reilly is 0.59 per game. But if you separate it per partner who he's with, so if when he's with David Turnbull, that's 0.19 per 90. So it drops to uh, uh, 0.19 per 90. With Callum McGregor, it's 0.49. Kyogo, there was no expected assists or Aaron Moy during that small time he had to be them. And when he's with Rio Hotate as a, as a partnership with the two eights, it's 0.73 per game. So it goes from his 0.59 up to 0.73. So again, showing the effectiveness of Hatate with O'Reilly. Um, yeah. And also, the two of them play, it's not like they played against easier opposition to, to inflate the figures. Both of them were the partnership against Real Madrid and against Rangers. Yeah. And Shakhtar as well, so um, I think that was interesting when I had a wee dive into that to see actually um, uh, how... I think Rio Atate totally, like, he is absolutely sublime, and they must compliment each other so well, and for me, Atate, that number of position, he's nailed that down, like, I think he's box to box, and there's a fantastic bit of footage of him when he takes the, the throw in from Juranovic against Real Madrid and he hits the volley in the one time pass over the other left hand side. He is a fantastic footballer, isn't he? Yeah, oh, uh, unbelievable. And, I, and I, I think the good thing about Hatati, if you if you were having a one to one with Hatati and talking about his performance, uh, has he living up to his potential? Nowhere near it. He's got so much more to give, absolutely so much more to give. Yeah. Um, he, he's not. We've not seen the best of him by far, and I think once we do, then he's definitely going to be a, a joy to watch. And the Saturday boardroom when we go on dollar dollar bills, you know what I mean? That's what they think when, when they're getting that big man up the scratch. But we'll kind of move on into this season, and yes. we'll touch upon first of all the Shakhtar Donetsk game. Now, for me, it was quite interesting. I thought we played really well. Now, from the naked eye, again, this is this has come across for me just seeing what I can see on the pitch. I thought with dominating the game, I think the stats do show that in terms of possession. I think our expected goals are something like 1.51 and there's yeah. not 0.51 at, at times yeah. in that match. And But what they've done really well for me is they've done kind of what Madrid did, but on a lesser scale, they kind of sucked us in and then broke on the counter. I thought their, their left-hand side winger, Modric, he played against Scotland last night, although he didn't have a great game, but he was fantastic against us. And then you, you look at our performance, there were so many missed opportunities in the second half. And just a quick one there, obviously we can go into the ins and outs of it in a wee second, but do you think it's a bit concerning so far in Europe having been clinical enough, taking our chances? Yeah, I mean, so in, in that game, I think the, the expected stats was at 1.4, so we scored one goal, so we scored less than expected. Um, there is that, I think. I think Europe's still going to be a learning curve for us, as I said, it's new. Yeah. It's, new it's new to Ange. Um, and um, 
against Madrid. Um, oh, you've disappeared. <laughs> yeah, uh, against Madrid, we 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 went toe to toe him for fifty minutes, um, but we just couldn't see that through. So there was a learning, there was a learning there. And then Shakhtar, it was a case of like, well, we tried to pace ourselves, but actually we should should have we should have um, killed them off. Um, and it was interesting just looking at Shakhtar as well. It was just uh, just for that twenty nine um, thirty eight minutes, eighty two percent of their um, a XG came in that 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 twenty nine to thirty minutes. So a yeah. nine minute spell, eighty two percent of the XG came from, and they had they had two box shots, only two shots in the box, only had two shots on target, and it was similar to the, when they played Leipzig as well. So when you looked at the Leipzig game, um, the, the expected goals was all in Leipzig's favour, and it was um, some breakaways, very very limited shots. I think it was. Um, three shots on target might have been against uh, Leipzig, um, and um, they, they've done the same again. Do you know what I mean? I'd say in terms of obviously looking at those broadly, the stats we had fifty-six percent possession, eighteen shots to their eight, with one card, five corners, and then obviously the the XG in that as well. But see, for me, you look at the lineup and you bring it back and you strip it down. Do you think it was a maybe mistake starting with Kyogo up top? We Jack and Marcus come on, he made a big difference in that second half and. There's a lot of people, obviously, physicality and Kyogo's movement. You can maybe mismatch that, but I think even in that Samaritan game, also, which we'll touch upon soon, Yakimakis, for me, was a big miss. Do you not think he's yeah. been missed out in some of these games, what he, he can provide to the team? Yeah, I'd probably disagree with the Shakhtar. I would say that Kyogo's probably the right fit for that European game, um, but it's against St. Mern, absolutely. I couldn't, that was the biggest surprise for me, um, was Yakimakis never played against St. Mern. Um, uh, both for the game style and it would have suited him and also to give him a bit of game time because he's not good at it as well so I, I think for me um, yeah Kyogo probably against Shakhtar was probably the right uh, I was a bit surprised that, that we had both uh, Haksabanovic and Jota yeah um, that was a surprise because when you come in at the St Mern game I'm actually surprised we never had one of them against St Mern but when we had both against Shakhtar I was a bit surprised um, that, that Maeda never played just for that same reason I would, you would have Kyogo just for that European game, um, but maybe, maybe just because of Shakhtar sitting back, and we thought we'd have to take them on. Um, uh, and, and you don't know what Andrew said to players beforehand, who's definitely going to come off at half time, sixty minutes, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely an opportunity missed against Shakhtar, given the the, the the short period of time that they had any expected chances. I think as well, what was striking to me was it was a bit like um, Shakhtar on a cut and run. They just kind of took their opportunity when it presented itself, and that was it. And another big talking point for me, Joe Hart in, in that game, particularly, yeah. he's been called in for a bit of, obviously, people give him criticism. Me, yes, I did in the last podcast. I thought he could have done better with one of the goals of Paisley and the goal he conceded to Shakhtar. He, the, the position for me, it was all wrong. He was just like that. He, he seemed to duck. What, what was your opinion on that one? And in terms of a goalkeeper, do you think he's... Not the not the right, he's excellent, but how do you think he's getting on developing the like? So I think if you talk about that goal in particular, I can see both sides. I can see someone saying that should have been better, but I can also see actually it was just a freak when it was like just with the way it came at his face and, and it was past him the power a bit too much. Um, so I can see both sides. I think he's came in at a time where, for me, Barkas was the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen at Celtic. Um, I, I, and uh, 
I was in Santa Ponza um, recently and I remember speaking to some guys in the pool, MCL supporters and things like that. And one of them was saying, Celtic have never had a good goalkeepers and they were slagging Patty Bonner and they were talking about Roy Baines and they were talking about all our keepers. And I had a good laugh talking about it. But I'd say uh, all the poor keepers, Barcast has got to be the, the worst. Even though he had different attributes about maybe quality his feet and when you start going into yeah. goalkeeping stats, etc. and cross balls, etc. And there is an argument. But... Um, you, you can look at the other sides of, of, of the stats if you're maybe just good at shot stopping. Maybe you maybe get away by not being great at shot stopping if you've got all that. But when you're actually poor at shot stopping, you just you can't you, you can't be a, a goalkeeper for a big team when you're just not even diving. So when you had Barkas and you were trying Bain and Hazard and it was in and out and there was no number one, just to get somebody like Hart who's not done many mistakes. He's been pretty solid. He's had the odd good save. I think his fans mm-hmm. were probably pretty happy with that. Also, the fact he gives a bit of leadership and, and just his sort of profile. But where we are now and we want to, to, to go to the next level, you want a keeper that's actually going to pull you out of the bag. A keeper yeah. that's going to say, by the way, we were behind there against I can't believe we got a draw against Madrid because they were all over us. But that keeper made like save. So like, like Fraser Foster did, do you know what I mean? And, and and I don't know if Hart's got that in him to be that yeah. outstanding keeper. He's pr- pretty safe, but um, oh, he's, he's he is safe. But for we want to go for me, the biggest game. issue for me, yeah, the next level thing. And Egyptian King comes in here. Bargas couldn't catch a bus at the Canis bus <laughs> But I mean, in terms of obviously Joe Harden, I remember when he first joined us. Now this is obviously getting off the cuff here a wee bit. So I mean. There was a thing saying about, I think it was Conte as manager at the time, at Tottenham. When he left, wasn't it? It was Conte, wasn't it? I think it was, I. And he was yeah. questioning... And he was questioning his ability to dive down low and dive to his left and said he doesn't have no strength for a keeper or not. But I'm not saying I, I believe that, but I'm along the lines of what you're saying, for that next elite, elite level, Joe Hart's amazing. 100% what he brings, but there maybe you can't do better. You can always do better, but Obviously, he's 35 and stuff, so things will tell. Segrist, come in. What do you think about Segrist, by the way? I think um, if you go back to your Neil Lennon's team and we replaced Barkas with Segrist, or Lennon was a manager, etc., etc., you would say pretty good because he's always been a pretty good goalkeeper. I'm surprised by the Segrist thing because um, I think he's a good keeper, but I don't think he's necessarily got what the, the, the abilities and attributes that you would want from a, an Ange goalkeeper. Um, that playing from the back, etc., um, and and given the fact that he's going to come as understudy to Hart, mm. and, and you're not going to take it, it as a bit of surprise. Whereas you would expect us to sign a backup keeper who did have that, who could be a bit patient and eventually become a number one, and then you've got that ball playing goalkeeper. So, what's the what's the long term aim for Seacrest? Is the long term aim for Seacrest? To come in and replace that, and if so, then we're going to continue with that non-ball playing um, goalkeeper, um, or is he just a backup Hart? And then when Hart's time to move on, we, we're going to send another keeper. Can I, I just thought it'd have been an ideal time to bring in that keeper who can play with the ball at his feet. Um, he's a backup if Hart gets injured, and then if we could give him the odd game in the league, bring him in a development plan, and maybe it'd be Toby uh, or Yemi and the, and the, the B team. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's a plan for him, but. You don't know, but yeah, it was a little bit surprising. But maybe Ange just thought that actually, if Hearts gets injured, I don't trust Bain enough. 
So actually, I'm thinking short term. Short term is I need a, a keeper that I can rely on if Hart gets injured. So Seagrist is maybe a relatively cheap backup to secure. Yeah. But that maybe, maybe I, that's. I think as well, it's quite interesting that both goalkeepers struggle with their feet. Joe Hart obviously knows it from playing with Pep and City, and so he has a bit of experience. But in terms of doing the things that likes of Allison or a or what do you call it, Ederson does at City, it's quite a long way off. And I want to say here, Frank Brennan, it was the manager before Conte, the ex-Wolves guy, so it was, you're 100%. Dark Knight, my wee brother's in. And yes, Daniel, there is a podcast on Friday. You've asked that. There definitely is one tomorrow as well. But in, in terms of kind of rounding off the, the Shakhtar game, we, we played really well against Madrid, but we blew out about 60 minutes. Shakhtar stung us on the counter for their goal, and they kind of soaked up all their pressure. And I'll bring it back to you. In terms of what we're expecting in this group stage, whether it's expected goals, expected points, where are you sitting in that one at the minute? It's, I think it's, it's a hard one to sort of really put your, your neck on the line because on one hand, yeah, we did get countered by Shakhtar and it was only that nine-minute spell for XG. But looking at the like the possession and the, the, the passing uh, stats versus each other, if you looked at uh, the not to, to 15, 15 to 30, the 15-minute we, we were ahead on passes versus Shakhtar apart from two spells in the game and it was 15 to 30 and 30 to 45. So that 15 to 30 was just before that nine-minute spell, so don't know if that meant it was coming or not. Um, yeah. You can never tell. But there was just the two bits in the game. I think, um, so from an ELO rating, going into more stats, ELO rating Shakhtar um, are 69 and Celtic are 80. And they put a bit of comparison, majors are 60. So that, that, that's a And what is ELO? So ELO is, is, is there's, a, there's a website that does the, the, the ranking. So it's basically a ranking um, of teams in Europe. Um, and and it's just more more realistic than like the coefficients because the coefficients take into account in previous years, um, country coefficients. So it's more, it takes into games in their own league, takes in games in, in Europe. And it's just, it's the, for me, it's the best ranking system. It's not, again, it's not perfect, but it's the best ranking system to rank um, teams in Europe. So Rangers are 60th at the moment, Celtic are 80th, um, and uh, Shakhtar was 69th. So we were up against a difficult team. However, yeah. Leipzig are 27th. So that shows you what we're up against um, uh, going into the next game. Uh, and uh, it's a tough game, but... I think if we beat if we beat Shakhtar at home, then we beat them in the head to head. Get four points. They've got four points, and hope they get beat their other games, which they which they they could easily do. And then you're talking about their third and third third's third's fine for me. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and then that's that's assuming two defeats of Leipzig. So, I, I think I think we. I'd be, I'd be confident because I getting thumped and you never know how we perform against Leipzig get a draw there and then we're probably in a good position to get second Yeah, I think for me I'll stick to what I said I want us to aim for second that's the, the bar for me I think we have no reason why we shouldn't get in here and I think this is quite funny Merle Watt I think we all need a stat dictionary as I said at the start of the show this is a learning process for myself as it is for the viewers and even Tony as well even though he he knows his stuff and what he's talking about. We're all learning at the same time. It's a brand new show that we're doing. But we'll, we'll move on to kind of round it off. And that's the, the St. Mirren game. Now, you're wearing the absolute shambles of a top that people said was a, a strip clash at some points with the shorts and that. But the the whole thing, 
I had a bad feeling from the start, Tony, if I'm honest. And looking at it, I, I remember they were playing a flat back five. We struggled to break it down. There was no wide men taking their players on. As you said, Jada, Haxabanovich were nowhere to be seen until the second half. Um, Yakin Magnus, I thought it would have been a perfect day for him. And I know you want to talk about Aaron Moy. So this is the, the chance to, to get Big Moy into the discussion. I know he played a full 90 minutes last night for Australia against New Zealand. So he definitely is fit, but is he, is he the right fit for Celtic? Me, personally, not. But we'll look at the, the over-contrast and possession stats. 20% for St. Mern, 80 for Celtic. 18 shots for Celtic, 5 for them. Uh, six corners for them, 7 for us. And then fouls for 15 to 11. Our expected goals were 2.08. And for me, it was probably the worst performance I've seen in the whole year. I know we weren't beaten the whole year, but it was absolutely dreadful, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, as you say, it started off with bad, do you know what I mean? So I'm playing football tonight, and if, if there's people who say, we wear bibs, do you know what I mean? We're, mm-hmm. we're just old amateurs, just, and we're going to wear bibs. So um, I, I thought that was a, a disaster from the start. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been looking at, and this is the thing as well, so people will say, oh, there's nothing to do with stats, why we got beat. Um, it was just slow and ponderous, et cetera, et cetera, which is all true. But the stats are interesting just to actually look and see um, like, what, what more can they tell us? So, mm-hmm. it's it, it, just some things. And, and is there a bit of luck? Is, are we overreacting, or is there a bit of um, underlying bad performance? Should we be worried, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So, St. Mirren had four shots in the game. Just four shots, and they had. Um, um, so, another um, one for the stats dictionary is XG per shot. So, right. XG per shot is a very good measure just to see sort of how effective you are. If you, I mean, so St Mirren had um, 0.2 XB, XG per shot, and that's the highest of any team in the league this season in any game. So um, was that a bit of luck, or um, did we make it too easy for them? I don't know. But on the, the contrary to that, um, Celtic's XG per shot um, was 0. 0.5, 0. 0.05, 0. 0.057, basically. So that's half of the average. The average for the season is, is 0.129 XG per shot. So it's half of, of the of the average. And there's only once we've done lower than that in Angie's time. And I think this is the bit that comes interesting. So only once we've been lower than um, 0.057 in Angie's time. And it was December uh, in St Mum when we were 0.055. So the, that's something that jumps out, do you know what I mean, right away that actually... Um, St Mern are just not allowing us good opportunity chances. Yeah. I think Brian Warrior, now, let me hear you on this one, because this is what I thought as well. The whole thing started with moving McGregor out of his key deep road um, at me. Technical disaster class from Anne's. McGregor is key to Anne's. Well, what, what do you think about that? Because I, I personally think that's 100% true. I thought, I know people say you get a lot more of McGregor in the 8 or 10, but me personally, he's our best number 6, and I think moving him out of there is absolute it was disastrous. I thought Moy, I know you're going to speak about Moy. He was he was up for me, he was useless. I used the pun on the podcast. There, there's use for him coming off the bench, but starting he's useless. Um I just thought he was slow. He always picked the easy pass, slowed everything down. There was no cohesion. The wide men again didn't take no one on. It was just an overall bad day at the office. But them key points for Brown Warrior there, McGregor moving thing that caused an issue. Yeah, I don't necessarily McGregor moving. I, I think so. It's a hard one to talk about the, the changes because 
why is Ange done it? Is it to rest players or more importantly to give players minutes? So if Moyes coming in now and again and Ange thinks, actually, I need to give him time to, to, to get into the team, I can totally understand Moy coming in and playing the number six position. But if it was for me, then rest McGregor. Just rest him then. Why mm-hmm. um, why um, put him forward? And then it's just a, it's a midfield that's, that's not conducive to creating chances when you've got um, no wingers that are conducive creating chances as well um, and and also when you've got a week in defence as well so it's I, I wasn't against in the, the six changes I think it was more I was against the team that he picked and the biggest surprise yeah. as we talked about was um, Jack Marcus not playing because for me one the, the game style would have suited him but two give him some minutes and build his confidence up as well get some goals in um, the, the reason I was talking about Moy was so yeah, he's looking at some stats versus McGregor. There was a couple of things. So if you look at stats versus McGregor, he had fifty-one uh, passes where McGregor had eighty-two, but thirty-nine in the second half. So he had more passes than McGregor. Um, if you look at ninety-four percent versus McGregor's ninety-three, um, and an XG of point one versus McGregor's point zero three, five out of five accurate long balls to McGregor's one out of one, um, four recoveries each. So um, you could look and see, is it about passing or is it percentage? Or maybe they're just too safe. Maybe that's not what we need. Maybe mm. they needed some risky ones from Hadate. And there was actually um, a percentage of, I had it there, but I've, I've lost it, but percentage of passes that were long balls, um, I think it was slightly, um, it, sort of back and forward passes, it was slightly um, more for McGregor. So McGregor had a higher percentage of backward passes when Moyes getting slide for backward passes. So that was some stats that was interesting. That's interesting. Um, and and, um, and the reason I've done that, I'm not defending Moy. Moy was poor, and it's not on here to say Moy was poor. But where, where I'm coming from um, is, say, McGregor was an eight and Moy was a one, where I think it was more closer to McGregor was a, a six and why was a four? Do you know what I mean? So I think the yeah. difference between the two of them is a lot closer than people think. Um, not not excusing Moy, but I'm just so that that was one of the stats. Then there's the visuals. So if you watch the visuals, so Moy at that particular time he'd switched positions with McGregor. So McGregor was a defensive midfielder, and if you watch McGregor, and this is not a huge blame at McGregor, although I do think people are frightened to to to, to have a go at McGregor, and and some people like Moy or Maeda are easy. <laughs> um, um, but so McGregor was a defensive midfielder at that time. O'Hara's making the. Is run. this in the second half? Is it? Is this, no, is the, this the second half, half of the goal? Oh, the first goal. So Moy and McGregor have switched positions at that time, and McGregor's a defensive midfielder. Moy lets O'Hara go, but McGregor's still the defensive midfielder, not marking anybody, running back, but he. He could have picked up the runner. Yeah, someone else mans, but part of that being a defensive midfielder is pick up the man. So if you watch the goal again, watch who McGregor's marking. Martin loved it. Moy's definitely at fault because it's his man. I get that. But there was just that that, that visual. Um, there's the stats. And the other thing, if you go back to Matt O'Reilly and the people he's with, so this is the, the, the one I wanted to look. So if you looked at Moy um, with the two players, when he's played, who's the two, two other midfielders? So... 95% of the minutes Callum McGregor has played alongside him. 83% is David Turnbull. 11% is, is Matt O'Reilly. 7% Rio Hotati. 
and 5% James McCarthy. So if you go back to like these stats we talked about earlier, how O'Reilly's really great, how Tati makes him great, yet Moyes never really played alongside day two. She's never been given that chance. When Moyes has been playing, he's playing alongside McGregor, who, as you said at the start, questions whether McGregor is as effective as they used to be in an eight position. And David Turnbull, where we're saying he's, he's, he's not effective. So it's like when you bring a, a young player into a team or, or you're bringing an, um, a, maybe an inexperienced player into the team, etc., then you want them... This is, this is the bit for me. Is if you if you're bringing someone into the team, you want your 10 best players and then you bring in that that left back for his first game or you bring in Turnbull when it's 10 players. So I think that's the biggest biggest thing for me that when Moy's been playing, he's not played alongside our best other two midfielders, O'Reilly and Hatate. Um, that doesn't excuse him for his performance, but that just says actually um, we have to bear in mind that he's not necessarily been helped and just be yeah. that bad. I mean, for me, I think that it's one thing I've had to change my mind on what I see from Aaron Moy. I just think he's a bit, he runs like, he just runs like lard, mate. He turns like a bus. That injury, I think, done him. Done him no world of good. The MCL he done earlier in his career, and obviously he went to China and things like that to play. And he's come back into competitive league again. But just to, to kind of go back to it, you mentioned Turnbull there. Why do you think he's had like a sudden dip in his form? Because for a while he was our most well in that bad bad spell under Lenny. He was our most effective player moving into the new season beyond. He was scoring goals for fun. Now he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't seem to be clicking. Do you think is his confidence is gone because like a Tate? O'Reilly are getting in, or is it just a case of he just needs to improve the good old training? I don't know the answer to the question, but just to back up your um, your thoughts on the stats. So last year he was third in the league for expected assists per game at point four one, and now I don't know the position, but he's dropped to point two seven. So that's dropped. So that backs up your 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 initial thoughts with stats. The reason I'm not sure, well, again he's coming on into a game, so. I, I did have a couple of games when Hatate was out injured, so he had his opportunity there. And I thought he was okay in pre-season, but yeah, after that, he, he just there's something seems to be missing, so I don't know. I, am, I, I don't know the answer for that, but um, I, I think, for me, the, 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 it'll be interesting to see Abogard, because I think he brings something different, and something that's really been missing yeah. is that. That, that, um, that that defensive uh, ability and and the back because I looked at some stats versus him versus McGregor and you can really see the difference in styles. Um, He's more but, of a combative midfielder, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so if if Abogard's playing on um, Sunday, there it might make a difference because they the, the the two weaker centre halves have got a better protection. Um, yeah. But again, when you're playing against. Uh, a low block team, you probably need a more a McGregor type in that sixth position to, to help um, to help sort of break up break up the opposition. Then O'Reilly and Hatati are just just a, by far the best number eights we've got, oh. and, and I think Tombo's okay to come in if, if if maybe O'Reilly's injured or something like that. But um, I think the problem is just the, the combination on Sunday. The three of them just just didn't work. Yeah, 100%. I think Patrick McLaughlin's in here. I don't know if this is correct. You can maybe say this. Abelgaard averages 8.7 tackle, 8. tackles a game. 
I read Monty McGregor and Vitor Navi's no better than the fight between them last season. I mean, if that's correct, then as you said, we're, we're on to a player with him. And if he brings that combative style, I think since Brownie left, Tony, that's been a major issue for me. I know previously that Postal Coldly was saying that he didn't want to sign a defensive midfielder. That wasn't the style, but he, he eventually compromised and got him. Like, yeah, yeah, and I'm just trying to look. She had some stats. Um, 62% win rate of tackles. McGregor was 55. Um, interceptions, 2.19 versus McGregor's 0.73. And clearances, sort of more. So, yeah, so I'm um, uh, on um, tackles and that descent defensive. Is, uh, he looks like a... On paper, anyway, it looks a, a bit of a rock. You know what I mean? 100%, mate. And I'm aware it's coming up to your fives time, so we'll, we'll wrap it up. And this has been our first episode of Statstrap with the NSL's podcast. Tony, have you enjoyed it, buddy? Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. I think um, it's good just to sort of talk about it and, and you get, so get some things wrong or get some challenges. Um, I mean, And I mean some decent challenges, as in what about this, rather than just... The, the ones you get into it like XG's push. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there's plenty of good challenges you could have to XG out there, and um, uh, and it's all very new to us all. And, and when you're doing a lot of these things manually, there's there's plenty of challenges out there. So when the the ones like that, there's there's more to there's more to have and talk about. But um, yeah, just when you look to that's a mung game. Um, just the, the, the XG and the post shot XG as well so that's the shots on target um, and in 0.51 that was the second lowest under Ange as well um, and just just little things like that when St Mirren um, uh, were, were, were told before the game worry about their, ex, uh, their set play but they were 11th in the league for uh, XG for set play so I think it was just it was just one bad day at office but everything went wrong everything went wrong yeah. I think when you look at it as well, it's like saying watch their set pieces, it's lazy punditry, isn't it? They haven't yeah. quite done the research that they're just kind of putting out stereotypical kind of saying out for a team who's going to take their chances against Celtic. And they did to be fair, the one 2 0. But I think you'll be back on the show, let me see, Thursday, no, hold on, Thursday the sixth of October. We're doing this bi weekly. The only th- yeah, the- make me to change it a little bit for that Thursday because I'll be in Leipzig on the bell, I'll be on my way back from oh. Leipzig. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it we'll do it the Friday or Saturday whatever, whatever yeah, it works yeah we do it Friday yeah because I'm, I'm going to Leipzig me and my son are going to Leipzig so um, I'll be on I'll be part of it and I don't, what time, don't know what time I come back on the Thursday I can't remember but it might be later on no that's grand but as I said there, I hope you enjoy it by the way Tony but yeah, it's going to be a absolutely. bi-weekly show just just looking back at hopefully two games we're kind of doing it that way so there'll be two games to talk about a European game and a domestic game which is quite good to get stuck into and Tony, thanks very much for doing it. Um, We'll see you next time. Until inviting me on. Perfect, perfect. And until next time, well, until tomorrow, actually, and I'm hosting again, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. Cheers.